But this week, we're going to talk about being an exponential leader, an exponential leader. Last week, if you missed it, you can catch up online or on our Mosaic Church app um, where we post all the messages. And last week, we talked about being a servant leader. And so this week, we're going to move on to what does it look like to be an exponential leader? Why are we doing this series? And if you've been around me much, you're like, Joe, why do you always talk about leadership? Well, because we need it. You see, this series is all about becoming a better leader so that we can lead ourselves, our homes, and whatever God puts in our hands in a way that honors Him. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to do. I want to honor God with my life. I want all the glory to go to Him. I want everything that I do to lead and point people towards Jesus Christ. But here's what I know. There's a leadership vacuum in the world today, and it's in the church too. There's a massive need for leadership, for people to say, follow me as I follow Christ, for people to say, I'm willing to go against the grain, against the flow and do what is right. There's a massive vacuum for that. In Matthew nine, Jesus saw this as well. He looked out on the crowds and the Bible says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And instead of stepping up and saying, hey, I'll take care of them all. No, he looked at his disciples and he said, pray to the God of the harvest that he would send more workers, more laborers into his harvest field. Why? Because the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And guess what, church? Not much has changed since then. We're still in need of workers. We're still in need of people to, to answer the call of God to say, hey, I won't just be a consumer Christian, but I will be a follower of Christ that, that follows Jesus no matter where he leads me and no matter what he asks me to do. And I just want to encourage you today that that leader, that worker could be you. Regardless of why, how you see yourself, regardless of your preconceived notions of what you can and can't do, Jesus wants to make a difference through your life. The slogan of our church, the motto, whatever you want to call it, jump on our website. It says, love God, love people and lead the way. Why? Because the great commission, the great commandment says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, strength. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission, go and make disciples. Lead them, train them, teach them everything that, that Jesus commanded us. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? This is kind of like the trifecta of what God has called us to do. Love God, love others, and lead the way. Make disciples. We know that Jesus was the greatest leadership model of all time, right? And last week, we really unpacked the why. The why we lead is to be a servant leader because we want to serve other people. And today, the big idea that we're going to unpack is that significant leadership impact is exponential. Significant leadership impact is exponential. The greatest picture of what the word exponential means that I can come up with, and, and I'm pretty sure it comes from math, but I'm not that smart. I was talking to a guy earlier um, that, that is obviously involved in engineering and math, and, and I just don't get it. But from what I think I remember from school is that when you go one times one, it's one. But if you go one time or, you know, one times two, it's two. If you go two times two, it's four. If you go four times four, it's 16. And, and that's about as high as I could go, right? You know, 16 by 16. And I, I already lose myself. Why? 
because of the exponential power of numbers. And what happens when not just one person follows the call of God, but a whole body of Christ, all the members, all the people, all the people say yes, amazing things happen. You see, because the church, the body of Christ was never meant to be built on a one-man superstar show, somebody that does everything. Can I get an amen? If my wife was in here, she would say amen. Because she's the first person in the world that doesn't want me as the pastor and the leader to do everything. And so God's word isn't based on that model. Although many times when we look at the world's leadership models, that's what we see. The main guy gets all the credit. You look at the Chicago Bulls from the 90s when I was growing up and, and, and everybody remembers Michael Jordan. A few people remember Scottie Pippen. And then after that, it's like, who was on the team? Luke Longley, who was that, right? And it's like, you don't remember the supporting cast as much. But the kingdom of God is not built like that. The kingdom of God is not built with, with a bunch of Michael Jordans and then everybody else. No, the kingdom of God is exponential. I love what John Wooden, greatest uh, university basketball, college basketball coach of all time, he said it takes 10 hands to score a basket, right? It takes 10 hands to score a basket. John Maxwell says, if you think you're leading, but no one is following you, then you're just taking a walk. <laughs> How many of you have ever been there? And that's, that's our leadership model a lot of times. If we're doing stuff, if we're, okay, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, I'm doing the actions of a leader, I must be a leader, right? But, but we forget to look behind us and see if anybody is coming. And so much of the time when it comes to leadership in our own life, we say, well, I'm being a leader. I'm, I'm doing the job description. I'm checking the things off the list but there's no one following us. And when there's no one following us, it is impossible for us to live out the exponential call of God on our life to go and make disciples. And so many times we think we're leading, but the real question is, are we taking anyone anywhere? Now, leading is hard. Because sometimes you hear, well, to be a leader, you gotta do this. And to be a leader, you gotta do this. For, for instance, how many of you have ever heard that leaders are learners? right? Leaders are learners. Or maybe you've heard a quote that says, when you're through learning, you're through leading. And so in pursuit of being a better leader, you started to pour into yourself a personal development. You started to read voraciously and you're just devouring all the content you can and you're, you're trying and you're doing your best to be a better leader. But while leaders are learners, learning isn't leadership. I've seen some leaders so fall so in love with personal development that they forget people development. I've done this a time or a thousand. Where I'm like, well, I got the position, I got the title, I've, I've got the stuff, I've, I'm doing it, I, I know how, but am I actually spending any time developing and pouring into others? And this is the exponential side of leadership that we're talking about today. The whole reason that we develop personally and that we learn is because you can't give what you don't have. And giving is the whole point of leadership, just like we talked about last week, serving, servant leadership. And you maybe have heard me give the illustration before that, man, we don't wanna be a refrigerator when it comes to our spiritual life, that, that stuff always goes in, but never, nothing ever gets taken out. And what happens when you only put stuff in the fridge? It gets spoiled, right? 
Man, one time this, this gallon of milk got spoiled in my college little cubicle fridge and it started getting tight like a two liter bottle full of soda because of all the fungus and stuff growing and releasing oxygen and whatever. And it, it got so tight, we dropped it out of the fifth floor of my dorm building and, and the, the blast spread of that curdled milk was like 50 feet. It was amazing. But so you don't want that when it comes to your spiritual life. And when you don't give away, when you don't try to pour into other people, when you don't, don't say, hey, I'm going to be somebody that doesn't just take from Jesus, but I'm going to be somebody who gives away what I've been given. If we don't do that, then we become spoiled Christians who are simply consumers. And so we got to get to this exponential place where we realize it's more about what they end up doing, the people we're pouring into, than what we do. We got to ask ourselves really hard questions. Will it end with me? Or will there be a legacy? And you say, what? Will what end with me? Will your relationship with Christ be replicated in your children? Will your relationship with Christ be replicated in some people that you've brought along, that you've discipled, that you've poured yourself into? Or will it end with you? When you breathe your last breath and you stand before Christ, will there be anybody in heaven because you share Jesus with them? And I know these are some kind of hard hitting questions and guess what, they hit me hard too. Because every day we live our life, we gotta answer the question, what did I do with Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross? Did I live a life that led other people there, that led people towards surrender, that led people towards saying, hey, God, you're the only one worth living for. So will it end with me or will there be a legacy? And so everything that we're talking about today, you can apply it to your mission in life, you can apply it to your family, you can apply it to your work, because leadership principles that Jesus modeled for us are transformational no matter where you apply them. And so let's look at what Jesus did. Luke chapter six, verses 12 through 16. Luke chapter six, verses 12 through 16. It says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. I love that picture because Jesus couldn't give what he didn't have. And so he spent time with the Father. He received the word from God. He, he, he made that relationship priority. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. Now, just for some context, he called them all together, which means in, when he called them all, there was more than 12. He called together all of his disciples, all of his followers, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, who he named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus. Simon, who is called the Zealot. Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Wow. It can seem like a list, list of names, but it also is, a, is, is the unveiling and the unrolling, the rolling out of Jesus's model and vision for us. And by the way, if you're looking for some baby names, maybe you're a young couple and you're still looking to start a family, 
You can thank me because I just hooked you up with some awesome baby names. I mean, how good is that? Alpheus? Come on, somebody. We need an Alpheus in Mosaic. Bartholomew? Come on, I love that. Side rabbit trail here. And um, if, you know, if you get to know me, sometimes I just get a little ADD. But when, when, when Jason was in, in the oven, right? Jason's our oldest. He's back working pro presenter today, so I'll embarrass him a little bit. Um, so when Jason was in the oven and me and Jolie were talking, man, what are we going to name this kid? I, no joke. Like, seriously, because I loved the story in the movie so much when I was a kid, I was like, let's name him Huckleberry. That'll be so cool. That got shot down um, like a bag of rocks. Uh, it did not go over well. And needless to say, uh, his name is Jason, not Huckleberry. But hey, if you want to just call him Huckleberry sometimes, that, that just uh, make my heart happy. But I love this because there's real people. Jesus didn't preach to the, just preach to the multitudes. No, there was real people that he called to follow him and to be his apostles, his disciples. These people were, were going to be leaders. They were going to change the world. Just some context, some overall context. Jesus only did his ministry for about three and a half years. And so he pulled these guys aside. He poured into them and, and through these 12 guys... The, the gospel of Jesus Christ was going to have an exponential impact on the entire world. So Jesus was intentional with who he spent the most time with. He didn't pick perfect people. Obviously, we, we see in later scriptures that, that these guys weren't perfect. They were kind of messed up just like us. But Jesus made a difference in the lives of those that he was with. And so today we're going to look at some leadership lessons from Jesus on exponential leadership. So let's dig in. Grab your notes. Let's fill in the blanks as we go along. Leadership lessons from Jesus on exponential leadership. The first thing that we see is that very few things are as important as the people you surround yourself with. Very few things in life are going to matter more than the people that you surround yourself with. Now, this is in stark contrast to how we live so much of the time. So much of the time we go after the degree or the grade or the money or the house or the car or the material things or the notoriety, the popularity, the reputation, prestige, pleasure or power. But we see from Jesus's example that the thing that he stayed up all night praying to God about was who he was going to spend his time with. Man, what a question. How much thought, how much intentionality are you putting into the people, the choices of who you're surrounding yourself with? In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, famous verse where Paul tells the church in Corinth that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And the, the flip side is also true that good company Makes you better. So if I'm around negative people, what am I going to be? I'm going to turn into a negative person. If I'm around godly people that are making good choices, I'm going to be way more likely to act a little bit more godly and make more godly choices. If I'm always around lazy people who want to do nothing but sit around and eat Cheetos and, and binge on Netflix, guess what I'm probably going to be doing? I'm going to have Cheeto dust all over the place and binging on Netflix. 
If I'm around people who are full of purpose and direction and know where they're going in life, I'm probably going to want to get my act together and go somewhere too. If I'm around happy people, I'm probably going to smile more. I'm going to laugh more. I'm going to have more fun, right? You know, we tell this to our kids, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But for some reason as adults, we kind of just eh, check out, take what comes, hang out with easy people and, and just really prefer comfort when it comes to our friendships. But how many of you have heard the, the quote that says, who you are five years from now will be the sum total of who you surround yourself with and the books that you read. Now these days, you know, people read a little bit less and so maybe you could put the shows that you watch, the, the input, the, the social media feeds that you're scrolling, whatever the biggest inputs in, are in your life. But here's what I've learned. As I've grown older, I've got to be more intentional because I teach what I know, but I reproduce who I am, right? I teach what I know, but I reproduce who I am. And one of the biggest inputs of who I am is who I am being sharpened by and who I am spending time with. You might say, Joe, I don't read any books. Well, then I hope your friends read some good books, right? Because who you're challenged by, who you're being pushed by is really going to determine what the future of your life. We know that we're either growing or dying. There's no coasting in life. And so, man, are we, are we with a group of people that, that just want to have fun? Or we do, are we around a group of people who are going somewhere and have a mission? You know, there's very different groups that we surround ourselves with. Lots of different, you know, we got our work group, we got our family group, we got our friend group. We've, we've got all these kind of groups in life. And many people over the last two years have really isolated, kind of gone in their bubble and, and just see people from now and then. And, and, and unfortunately, now that people have kind of gotten back to normal a little bit, friendships have not gone back to normal. We've gotten used to spending hours and hours and hours by ourselves. Where we've gotten used to this life where, where it's just easier and more comfortable. You know, there probably are some benefits from working at home, right? But there's one huge unintended consequence that when you do have to go out and see people, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's just kind of tiring, right? But your nature and how God made you, how he wired you, even you introverts, guess what? He made you to be in community. He made you to be with people. He made you to pour into others. He made you to have a mission. He made you to leave a legacy. And it's really hard to leave a legacy when you're never looking anybody in the eye. And so what kind of surrounding communities do we see in the Bible? What can we see in Jesus's life and in, in God's word that could give us some, some guidelines for, for who we should surround ourselves with? The first thing that we see is, a, is the church community. We see large bodies of people, right? When in Jesus's ministry, we see everything from 5,000, you know, he fed the 5,000 who were listening to him teach, and that was just the guys, and so there was women and kids too, so it could have been 10 or 15,000 people. I can't even imagine without a, a, a PA or a sound system, how in the world, man, they must have been so quiet to be able to hear him. 
Then we see after Jesus rose from the dead, he, he saw 500 different people before he ascended into heaven. We see in the upper room when the, when the early church and the, the followers of Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit, we see 120 people. And so there was that size gathering. We see a group of 72 that Jesus sent out to go and preach the gospel. So not just the 12 apostles, but man, 72 that he, that he released to go and spread his message. We see the 12 disciples that I read about earlier, and this was kind of Jesus's uh, main group that, that were gonna be the, the main leaders of the church. And then Jesus even had a smaller inner circle of three guys, Peter, James, and John, who were really close to him. They got to see really cool things like the transfiguration and, and man, all kinds of cool stories. They were the ones that Jesus took with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, when he sweated, that's, I don't even think that's a word, but when he sweat drops of blood because he was, he was so intensely praying and asking God for help. And so we see all these different sizes of communities and groups that surrounded Jesus, right? And so I think it would make sense, and I'm no scholar and I'm not very smart, but, but it would make sense to me that in our life, we should see the same thing reflected. That we should probably be a part of a big group. The church, the body of Christ. That we should be a part of a local body of believers and we should be faithful. Why? Because we can do so much more together than we can apart. When Paul describes the body, he's like, hey, work together. And everybody has to do their part. It can't just be, like I said, a one-man show. The other thing that we learn in, in a church community is it's not about me, that God put me here to serve others and for them to serve me and for us to have this mutual relationship of love and care. And then we see like a small group, right? This, this group of 12 that Jesus ran around with. And man, a small group has so many benefits. And next month, we're gonna launch groups again near the end of September. And so in just a few weeks, you're gonna start hearing about the groups and you're, you're gonna have a chance to sign up and, and to, to dig into God's word with some other believers. But when you get in a group, you realize that, man, you have talents. You have a story. You have a purpose. And God wants to use your story, the experiences that you've had, the talents that you have, the insight and the wisdom and the knowledge that you have, to help other people, right? That you have a ministry, that you have something to offer, even if you're not the leader of the group, because you're looking at life through this, this lens of exponential leadership. And so that's a, that's a whole nother level of doing life with people that because I'm, I'm, I'm being sharpened by them. And then we see this inner circle that Jesus had, these, these three people. These weren't just people that you're, you're in a small group with, or these aren't people that sit on the other side of the auditorium that you never meet. Sometimes I'll talk to people at church and, and they'll be like, who is that? I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's so-and-so. And they're like, I've never seen them before. And I'll say, well, you sit on this side and they sit on that side, right? And, and they're like, well, how long have they been coming? Oh, they've been coming for months now. Oh, wow, right? And that's why it's so important to get in a small group and to, to have friends because you're not gonna know everybody in the church and that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Because you need to have some people in your inner circle. 
You need to have some people that can look you in the eye and challenge you and hold you accountable. One of my best friends told me one time, he said, Joe, you have the friends you want. Joe, you have the people speaking into your life that you want. And all of it is going to depend on how teachable you are, how much you seek it out, where you put yourself, how, how intentional you are about surrounding yourself with the right people. My parents used to tell me, hey, Joe, if you want, to, want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, walk across the room. If you're like, man, I don't have anybody like that in my life that's in my inner circle that's really challenging me, that I'm, that I'm really, that knows me inside and out. Well, start investing in that kind of relationship and just know it doesn't happen overnight. Me and Jolie have been here now for, it's coming up on two years next month. And man, we love it. Uh, just so you know, we're not going anywhere. Um, we, we love Milford. We talk about it all the time. We love our church. We love who God's brought here. We're having so much fun getting to know everybody. Uh, but guess what? It takes time to build this kind of deep inner circle friendship, right? But guess what? I'm not giving up. And I hope you don't either. I hope you don't either. I hope that you dig into friendships. I hope that you pick up the phone. I hope you send that text. I hope you invite them over. I hope you are intentional about who you're surrounding yourself with. Because guess what? The life group systems and the structures that we set up at our church, while um, I love them, we can always get better, but we have some good systems and structures. They're not enough for you to have the relationships that you need. Why? Because so much of it is self-directed. Be a friend. There, I don't think there's any place in life where the, the law of sowing and reaping plays out more than in the relationships that we build in our life. And then the fourth kind of group. So we got the church, we got small groups, we got our inner circle. I think the fourth area of focus and who we're surrounding ourselves with comes from the example of Jesus and how he was a friend of sinners. He was a friend of sinners. And to this point, I would just ask you the question, when is the last time you had a relationship with somebody with the expressed intent to lead them towards Christ? Now with that question, I wanna be very clear. They're not a project, they're a person. That Jesus loved, that Jesus died for, that Jesus has grace for just as much as he had grace for you when he saved you. And so your attitude isn't that you're better than, it's just that you're, hey, you're helping them towards Jesus. But when is the last time you had a relationship with somebody who was far from God and you were investing and pouring into that relationship with the express desire to lead them towards Jesus? Who are you sharing the love of Christ with? You see, Jesus' life, his example, and his inner circle how he spoke to the multitudes and he hung out with the group 120 and, and, and 72 and 12 and three. Man, how he was intentional in all these different areas of his life. The model that he set changed the world. And so never underestimate the power of your choice to invest in time with other people. And just one last word of, of challenge. You've gotta show up to play. You gotta show up to play. Come to church. Go to small group, call your friends, do that coffee date, have dinner with those people, invest in who you're surrounding yourself with. It will always pay off. 
Number two, the second thing we see is when Jesus modeled exponential leadership is that we need to prioritize character over talent. We gotta prioritize character over talent. First Peter 4, 10 through 11 says it like this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. Underline that, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. So I love this because it's, it's like Jesus says, whatever gifts you have, number one, they're not just for you, for you to look better, for you to seem better, for people to be like, ooh, ah, look what they could do. No, use it to serve others. And why? So that all the glory can go to God the Father. Amen? And so in this passage, the gift wasn't the focus. God's glory was. God's glory was. And so character remembers that whatever we've been given, it's not for us. It's to serve others. Right? Man, we get so squirrely sometimes when we start to get possessive of the things that we do and the things that we can do and the, the, the ministries that we've had. No, man, my whole heart, my whole mind, you know, if I'm gonna be a person of character, it's to serve others and to lay down my life for other people. And so I'm gonna pour into others, I'm gonna seek out other people based on love, not just on gifting, because I'm, if I'm just looking for gifting all the time, then I'm just looking for people that can do something for me. Right? No, I'm going to use what God has given me to serve others. You know, over the years as I've uh, hired and, and interviewed and, and looked for staff and things like that, when I've tried to build a team, you know, I really have had to get honest with myself. Am I more interested in what I'm getting out of them or what I'm doing for them? Am I... Am I equally pouring into them and developing them and, 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 and helping them get better in their character, or at the end of the day, am I just concerned that they get their job done? So this is another way that we focus on character over talent. Because if you're gonna be an exponential leader, you've gotta care for people so much that, that, that who they are is more important than what they do for you, right? This is why sometimes the, the, the relationship between a parent and a, and a child goes squirrely. Because when the child doesn't meet certain expectations, the parent feels like they've done something wrong. The kid doesn't go to college, the kid doesn't do the certain degree, this kid doesn't do the certain profession, and the parent is like, oh, my kid didn't amount to much. But when you look at your kid and you say, hey, man, who you are is more important than what you do. Then you begin to invest in their character. You begin to invest in their, the intangibles in their life more than just their talents. And so the big question here is, am I focused more on who I'm becoming? Am I focused more on who my kids are becoming? Am I focused more on, on these intangible things in life, the character issues, than I am on what we are doing? Or am I willing to excuse character deficiencies because of talent? Once again, remember, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And so I would, I would contend that, that the best qualities to be replicated in our lives are the ones that aren't talent-driven. Talents come and go. Talents come and go. 
Talent is a blessing, but character is critical. And so over the years, as I've searched for staff and people to be on our team, you know what I've learned? Intangibles are the most important thing. Things that are hard to describe on a resume. People that notice things. Why? Because that means that they're focused on others more than themselves. People that stay late, that go the extra mile. People that are selfless when, when they feel like, you know, they're the only ones being selfless. People that are doing the right thing when no one is watching. These are the things that I want to plant into my kids, that I want to plant in the people that I'm around. These are the, the qualities that I want to try to model. Why? Because I want to prioritize character over talent. Because my talent and my abilities will only take me so far. Right? Your kids' talents will only take them so far. Someday, they're gonna be done with sports and they're gonna need some legs to stand on. Someday, the grades won't matter and they're gonna need to be a person of character who can, who can be counted on, right? And so we focus on things like perseverance, endurance, love, consistency, self-awareness. And if we look at how Jesus interacted with his disciples, and if we look at, you know, examples like 1 Peter 4.10, we see this. It's like, God, I'm going to use my talents, but I'm going to do it with a character that says I'm serving others and I'm giving glory to God. Right? Amen. Number three, the third example that we see from Jesus is that he prioritized investing in and empowering others. He prioritized investing in and empowering others. In Matthew 10.1, it says that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority, right? He gave them authority. And then in John 15, 15, closer to when he was going to, to leave the earth and go back to heaven, he said this, he said, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Underline that, lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And then he wraps it up. This is my command. Love each other. Man, I could, I could say, and I really believe that loving each other is the best way that we invest in and empower each other. Love assumes the best. Love speaks life into others. Love empowers somebody to be the best that they could possibly be. And so we see this example that Jesus didn't just tell his disciples what to do. He believed in them. He befriended them. He chose them. He called them to produce fruit. And so in the same way, church, member, attender, wherever you are in your journey, I just want to challenge you. You can do it. You can follow Jesus. You can put him first. You can make the hard decisions. You can do it. Now, I'm no agricultural expert, but if I remember right, fruits have seeds, except for those watermelons that they somehow genetically modified, right? Even those, it's got those tiny little ones that you don't really notice, right? Fruit has seeds. And so Jesus said, I want you to produce lasting fruit, fruit that then reproduced itself. And so there's supposed to be this ongoing and unending progression 
of giving of authority, of empowering for service, of investing in and speaking life into, right? So we see this was a priority in Jesus's life. I love what Harry S. Truman says. He says, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Right? Jesus, the one who every knee is going to bow before. The one who is, has, is going to have all the glory, has all the honor that everyone is pointed back to. And he gives normal, ordinary people like you and me authority. A calling. He invests in us. He pours into us. And he wants us to do the same for others. Jesus wants to exponentially impact the world through you. And it begins with you saying yes. It begins with you saying yes, Jesus. I'll answer the call. Yes, Jesus. I'll be somebody who bears fruit. Yes, Jesus, I'll be an exponential leader. Yes, Jesus, I will answer the Great Commission. Yes, Jesus, my life won't just be about me. Yes, I will create a legacy. At the end of my life, I will put in the effort, I will put in the time that it takes to surround myself with the right people, to be a friend of sinners, to be somebody who prioritizes character over talent, to who invests and empowers others. It starts with who I am. And so because it starts with who I am, God, I'm gonna prioritize my relationship with you. I'm gonna get away with you. I'm gonna spend some time with you. I'm gonna seek your face. I'm gonna ask you, who is it in my life, that God, that you want me to start pouring into? And if you're a parent, I would just say, hey, it starts with the kids. Start with them. And then God, is there a coworker that you just want me to start encouraging? You, they might not even be a direct report or somebody that you're, that you're you know, over on the organizational chart. Maybe they're a peer, but maybe God puts them on your, on your heart just to start encouraging them and lifting them up and empowering them to be somebody that, you know, empower them to fulfill the, God, the potential that God has given them. So it starts with who I am. It continues with who I'm around. Who is my fruit? Who am I investing in? Who am I sharing time with? Who am I sharing what I learn with? Who am I encouraging? Who am I empowering? Man, am I, am I setting my kids up to be leaders on their own? Am I empowering them with authority to, to make some decisions and to, to figure things out a little bit with my direction and my guidance? Who am I calling out that God sees something in you, that God believes in you, that God wants you to, to answer that calling that he's been you know, pricking your heart with lately. Fast forward, Jesus leaves, he empowers the disciples, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they've got power, they've gone out and they're preaching and, and man, they're making a huge difference, causing huge waves. Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage and, and who? These were people that called Peter and John in and, and because they were preaching, they were making a different, big difference. And they're like, man, you guys gotta stop this. And so they're questioning them. And so when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, 
They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Amen. They'd been with Jesus. So I want to challenge you today. Get with Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to start following him for real. And when I say for real, more than just a, a one-time commitment saying, hey, God, I want to I start following you today, but hey, tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to live tomorrow for you. And then the next day, God, I really want to be intentional to live that day for you too. And then, hey, God, I really want to start living out that great commission lifestyle where I've got somebody in my life that I'm trying to lead towards Jesus. And I'm doing something intentionally to make that happen. Right? God. I'm going to get with you. I'm going to hear from you. And why? Because you've got plans for my life. And even though I'm an ordinary, unschooled person, people are going to take note that I've been with you. And because you invested in me, God, by dying for me on the cross, by laying your life down, God, you rose again. And then you put your Holy Spirit and power inside of me so that I could proclaim your message. God, you want my life to have an exponential impact as I start to invest in others in the same way that you invested in me. And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes today, if you need to just start with inviting Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You might say, Joe, I want my life to have purpose. I want my life to have direction. I want my life to matter. I want to have an exponential impact. At the end of my life, I want to be able to leave a legacy. But Joe, it starts with me just making a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you today and you want to begin to follow Jesus, and you want to say yes to him, you want to believe that he died for you on the cross, you want to believe that he rose again, and you want to surrender your life to him, to live for him the rest of the, day, of the days of your life, if that's you, just raise your hand today. I want to pray with you. Amen. If you're online watching today, you can raise your hand too, right there in your living room. It's just a sign saying, God, that's me. I want to follow you. Amen. I'll give just another moment. Is there anyone that wants to say yes to Jesus today? Because it all starts with him. Amen. Is there anyone here today that just says, Joe, I'm following Christ, but I want to step up this area of my life when it comes to making an exponential impact. Because I've realized that if I had to answer today that question, you know, will it end with me? There's a question, and I want to leave a legacy. I want, to, I want to be an exponential leader. If that's you today, as I pray closing prayer, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Let's all pray together. God, we are yours. And for those that want to invite you into their life today, I pray that right now at their seat, they could just pray that prayer of acceptance, saying, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. You rose again. I give my life to you. Here I am, I surrender. And when you pray that prayer, that simple prayer, just inviting Jesus into your life, the Bible says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And for those of us that, that say, God, we wanna leave a legacy. We wanna be exponential leaders. God, fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to be intentional tomorrow when we wake up. God, help us to be intentional tomorrow when we go to work. God, as, our, as we raise our kids and, and we send them out into this world, God, help us to, to plant good seeds. Help us to invest in them. Help us to focus on their character more than their talent. Jesus, help us to inspire and empower them just like you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.